If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has... Escape the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast after USC's 31-16 loss to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend. We're going to look back at the game, give you our reaction, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Random Choice Studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we're back. Um, the bye week is over. USC has finished the bye week, gotten through it, and then have bounced back here for week uh, eight. Game seven in week eight is a loss to Notre Dame, 31-16. Trojans are now three and four. Um... They need to go uh, three and two in their last three games, uh, last three games, uh, in the last five games to become bowl eligible. Um, but it's been a bye week, first first and foremost, uh, that has been rough for you and I for multiple reasons. And I'm so... Do, do you want to talk about this stuff at the beginning or the end? I, I don't really just... care to talk about this football team, so let's talk about this stuff okay. now. All right, sure. <laughs> Um, where, where, where do we begin? Uh, you have been sick. We begin on my, on my 32nd birthday. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> and, and ever since, literally ever since I turned 32, the 32nd year of my life has been, uh, or is it my 33rd year of my life? Am I in the 33rd year? I think year? you're technically in the 33rd. Okay. The 33rd year of my life has, um, had a rough start. Uh, almost immediately after my birthday, who came down sick with uh, the flu, I got sick. 
And then I inevitably gave it to you. Yeah, of course. And then uh, somewhere along the way of that, it was like a week and a half of being with the flu. Well, it was sick for a long time. Like, well, like you were sick for like three weeks. Well, I was so sick I think, for like two and a half. I think the first week and a half was the flu. And then I think we got an infection, uh, like, a, 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 you know, one of those... Not strep, but something of that nature. Uh, we both ended up on antibiotics to deal with that. Uh, and then my family, this is as we're coming out of that uh, that situation for two two and a half weeks of uh, of of not being uh, in a good place uh, health wise. Uh, we uh, my family got hit with a very, very vicious stomach bug. And I was the first to get said stomach bug, and it was horrendous. And uh, then you got the stomach bug, and uh, you had a, you didn't have it as hard as I did, but you still have had it pretty rough the last few days. And yeah, that was the story of our bye week. Our, I mean, I, I think it's it sucks because like we were both excited about the bye week because we were finally going to do... We had content planned. We had prepared this yeah. giant spreadsheet full of information about the coaches that USC could look to hire, all the coaching candidates. We were going to do this big mega episode running down all of those coaches. And then my throat basically gave out your throat gave out so we couldn't record and then during the bye week i was sick again and so we couldn't record and coming out of the bye week notre dame week i was sick again and so we couldn't record you were sick so it's just a whole confluence of of things yeah and, and it, it's very it's frustrating two years in a row We've uh, essentially lost three uh, two years in a row we've essentially lost a month of of like podcasting yes because we've been sick. Now, last year it was COVID and we were hit pretty hard by COVID. And uh, that's thankfully not what this was. But, you know, still, <laughs> if you get hit by, by the flu uh, and you get hit by a stomach uh, virus and you get hit by, you know, like a sinus infection or something like that, it, it, there's nothing you can do. And unfortunately, that's sort of where we've been out for the last few weeks. On the plus side, um, this football team is horrendous, and if we were ever going to miss time and be able to not speak about this football team, this is the stretch. I think. Am I fair? To, am I fair to say that? The, uh, no, the, I, I don't think you're can, wrong. Can I gauge? Can I get? I I have some thoughts, not about this game because this game was, uh, for me completely and utterly irrelevant except for the embarrassment that this team has continued to stretch out over multiple weeks um to come out of a bye week and perform like that i mean i know you were facing a, a ranked notre dame team but this notre dame team has been ripe for the picking by everyone right. they face yeah. so usc really shouldn't usc should have been in this game well, far more okay, than okay. they were i, I but, do want to talk about the game because i have opinions um, I have well, thoughts well, we, there. We can talk about the game. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to gauge where we're at as far as I did not care about this game. Like I, it was, it was practically like, you know, pulling teeth to, to watch the game. I spent long sections of the game playing with my nephew. Like that's, that was, he was over at the apartment and I was, you know, tossing a ball around with him my my 18 month old nephew so like that was more interesting to me than watching usc play football 
And every moment that I sat down to watch USC play football, I would have rather been playing with my nephew. So like that's where I'm at is that this team is horrendous to watch with the exception. There are two and a half exceptions to me. The first exception is Drake London, who is truly head and shoulders above any other person wearing Cardinal and gold right now. It's not close. He is rising up the ranks of of USC receivers, and part of that might be just how horrendous the rest of the team looks by comparison, but he is genuinely that good. Um, Number two, Keontae Ingram, I think, is an excellent running back, and it's a shame that he transfers to USC to be part of this team. And the half is Caleb Bullock. Caleb Bullock, I think he is the only person on defense that I think looks like he has anything going for him. Yeah, it's hard to argue about the defense. I mean... Uh, I think you can you can absolutely make a case that Chris Steele had the best game of uh, his season tonight. I think Chris Steele um, is an interesting person to bring up because I agree. I thought Chris Steele played very well. He had some very good moments. He has the interception. Right. He has a couple pass breakups, some good defending. Especially early on, yeah. But he also has the pass interference on the most sure. important drive on of the, the last, season so the far. Yeah. And that's sort of a, 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 an example of the the sort of perception that you come out of this game thinking like USC was talented enough to make this an actual game but they made those critical errors right and those are why USC did not make this a game right yeah and i am sympathetic to the idea that it's difficult to really properly rate a a cornerback oh absolutely um, be- because the the highlights you don't necessarily see like the great plays usually don't end up on highlight. The best films corners because you, you don't want to. If, if, the best corners are often the guys you don't see because the yeah. ball's never going their way. Right. Yeah. And, and then um, it's one of those things where you know you you can make eight pass deflections in a row, but if you get burned once, then yeah, you're terrible. Right. So I I do have some sympathy in that sense. So um, but having said that, I think that Chris Steele made his fair share of, of big plays, which is. Something you can't really say about most of the defense, right? And and that's not me, like, banging on all the defensive players. That's just this defense has not, as a collective unit, as a, as an idea, as an entity, as a being, has, has not been there. They just have not been there uh, since, you know, the, the first week of the season. And, and it's it's difficult to put it all together because the, the word's all together because... Going into the season, we thought that the defense was going to be significantly better. Yes, they lose Talano and Hufanga, but, you know, everywhere else they should be pretty stout. We had probably too much trust in the defensive line uh, and didn't probably put in, didn't put in enough stock into the idea that, well, Brandon Peely up front, him not being there, and Marlon Tui-Peloto not being there is a big deal. And yes, SC is absolutely... Lost a lot by not having those two guys up front. That hurts, and SC has had no answer. And Sopcher not being there until tonight uh, has has been a problem. Uh, and everything else has just been abysmal with this defense. They were supposed to be a, a much better unit, and they haven't been. And on offense, everything has just looked broken. And I think this int- it's interesting about this game for me is that... <sighs> I think what makes USC frustrating is that I think it would be easier. It would be easier to watch if this team didn't gain any yards. 
They gained if, so many if damn Keaton yards. If Slovis threw 84 interceptions, if they fumbled yeah. the ball on every time, every time they got it, if they went three and out on every drive, but they don't do those things. Sometimes it looks really hard and it doesn't look easy, but what they're going to do is they're going to string together about five first downs on a drive and then things go to hell. And it's like I was I was looking up the the stats just now on my phone. Keontae Ingram has 24 carries for 138 yards. Like if you would have had me guess what his output was just watching that game and not necessarily tracking the numbers, I don't know that I would have pegged it. But yet, yeah, he, he was successful on the ground. We've talked about the offensive line in the past. I think this offensive line is better than it, this than team, our expectations because our expectations the, were very low. Our expectations were very low, very but low, let's be yes. honest. This team is equipped to run the ball. And this team the, can run the ball. And the offensive line is not as terrible. We thought that the They're offensive fine. line would be terrible. They're not. They're fine. They, they, they could absolutely be getting more out of this team. Um. And yet it's a situation where everything is Drake London or bust. Uh, Keaton Slovis is, you know, you, you look at tonight's film and then you compare it to where he was two years ago against Notre Dame, which I thought was his best game that he's ever played. If you watch those two things, it's it's mind-boggling to say that one was him as a true freshman and one was him in year three in, mm-hmm. in the offense. He's right? completely devoid of confidence. Yes. Completely and, devoid of confidence. And USC he, does nothing to help him with that. And that's the part that, that frustrates me more than anything. And I know that on Twitter, people have gotten frustrated with saying that we're not critical of Keaton Slovis enough. And like, to me, okay. If a guy is clearly having some issues with confidence at quarterback, then it is absolutely 100% on the coaching staff to mitigate that. Yes. Put your players in position to succeed. If they're not, then figure out a way to get them in a position to succeed somehow. Figure right? out what Keaton Slovis's yes. bread and butter is and let him just do that and yeah. run the ball. And if you, you need to give him time away, if you need to give him time off from processing the game, then run the ball because you can run the ball. And th- this game was a prime example of they were getting the it, pass protection was quintessentially. It was a three second fine. pass defense. It was like, it was, it like, was like, like it wasn't the, they weren't uh, one, 1,000 to 1,000, three, 1,000. Most of the plays they, that time was there. Yes. They, they were not giving Keaton Slovis a million seconds to throw, but there was more than enough time to get the ball. out. I, and yet so many times SC would go back to pass. I mean, Slovis would go back to pass, and they'd be these long, you know, developing plays. And it's like, why? You know that these things are not working. You know that having Keaton Slovis go through all his progressions because of the coverages that Notre Dame is throwing at you, because of the offensive line giving you some time but not a million seconds of time, uh, and, and all these different factors, and because you have... Uh, a wide receiver core that is Drake London and a bunch of other guys and not to like bash on the, the other receivers, but more so because this is not the, the wide receiver core we've seen in the last few years where, and I always thought that Notre Dame game was prime example from two years ago where Notre Dame said, we're going to let, um, we're going to uh, take away Michael Pittman and we're going to let um, Amon Ra and Tyler Vaughn kill us. They, they they had to pick your poison. Well, and, and when you have three great 
receivers, you force teams to do that. SC doesn't have that luxury right now, but yet they're still somehow able to get Drake London 15, 15 catches. 20, 20 targets, 15 catches, right. 170 it's, it's odd yards or whatever, and he probably should have had more because at a certain point you should just be chucking it his way. But like one of the differences here is that you don't have a rapport with the quarterback. You've basically rebuilt your receiving core so that Drake London is the safety blanket. And Keaton Slovis doesn't have the 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 depth of a relationship that he had with Amon Ra or Tyler Vons, with Taj Washington or Katie Nixon or any of those other guys. So, you know, there's a reason why his targets generally go towards uh, Drake London, Gary Bryan Jr., and increasingly Malcolm Epps. So, uh, you know, uh, aside from uh, aside from that, you you don't have the the core that you had in the past. So work with what you have. Work with what you're stop running plays where you need five one thousandths of, of, of time in order to get the ball out. You have three seconds. Every single play should be designed around if we can't get the ball out in three seconds, then it's not a play we're gonna run because that's what your freshman tackles yeah, are allowing yeah. uh, allowing work with what you have. USC is not working with what they have. They're not making life easy on themselves. And right. it is incredibly frustrating to see a team that can run the ball, that does have a great wide receiver, that does have a capable quarterback, be so incapable of scoring. You know, USC's defense has a ton of problems. They The, the, the defense is a mess. I'm not going to argue anything different. I turned to you during the game and I said, is this the Todd Orlando experience in, in year two? Because that's what... The word on Tartalando was something about, you know, the second you first year he does well and then people figure figure him out or something like that. And in, in year two, whatever it is, this is the Todd Orlando in, in experience. But let's be real. This USC offense should never be settling for 16 points. No. Or the point totals that they've accepted the entire damn season. Why can't USC beat Notre Dame 32 to 31? Why can't USC do that? Well, especially in a game like this where, and I put on Twitter, I said it would be irresponsible to say that SC should have won this game. You know, you look at the score, they lost by 16 yeah. points. They didn't points. deserve to win, for sure. Uh, Notre Dame is a is a flawed team. I don't think they're they're not nearly as good as they've been in the last few years, but certainly, you know, a, a worthy opponent, especially on the road at South Bend, that's never easy, all those kind of things, right? Um, and you look at the season SC has had, it would be irresponsible to say that SC should have won the game. But they could but have. look at the way the game that played out. Notre Dame leaves so many points on the on the field. Notre Dame is such a flawed they, team. They, they left 11 points on the board in, in, the, in the first quarter alone, essentially. Uh, settling for a field goal and a missed field goal that they should have gotten early on. Um, and then SC essentially does the same thing. Um, to cancel out all the benefit that they could have gotten from that, uh, you know, we we talk about the, the the missed opportunities. I think the the biggest areas to circle are before the half and after the half. Uh, the book the book ending drives to halves. I am someone who always puts a big focus on those two drives. I think those two drives, for the most part, define a football game: the drive before and after the half. And SC comes down and has an opportunity to score um, going into the half, uh, down seventeen to three, and you score, 
And you know, it changes the game. It completely changes. The it's game. one of those. If you score times, a touchdown, you feel good about yourself going in, going into to, to halftime. It's one of those half times where you go in and you say, "Man, that was a really bad half," but we're only down by we're only down a touchdown, seven and we're getting the ball. Yeah, like, and we're getting the ball. Like yeah. it's it's you're totally wipe the slate clean. You're yeah. feeling super good, and that seven point deficit feels like it's a tie game. Yeah, you can mentally talk yourself into that, right? Yeah. You can feel good about it. And yet it's 17 to 3. And SC does this thing that they do just about every game where they waste the timeouts trying to get the other team to jump off offside. Uh, which is, by the way, my least favorite reason to call a timeout. Drives me insane. I think it's a waste of a play. Uh, those, the hard counts and stuff, those things almost never work. Ever. Just, it's it's a waste of a timeout. Don't do it. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but they come down the field. Uh, they have the ball with 30 seconds to go at like the 40 and they're running the ball, running the ball. And even that run, they get yards, whatever. They still like, even, even when you run that ball, you still have an opportunity to clock, to, 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 to clock it w- and set yourself up. Like there, there are five different things USC could do different there. And the result is better. I'm okay with running the ball there. If the, the box counts, right. And if you've got a timeout in the bag, you have a plan that doesn't when, work. When you run the ball, you then was, know exactly what the next play is going to be. You know exactly be. what the next play is. If it was a look that you're like, oh, if they give us this weird look, yeah. we're going to actually weirdly run the ball and catch them off guard. You know, that's what Oklahoma did to win the, the Red River uh, shootout, shootout this year, yeah. right? Like, if you did something like that, where it felt kind of, you know, lack of a better word, smart, like it felt like it was thought out. I'm kind of for it, but when you do it, when you have no timeouts and it feels like you're running to run for no reason and like you're settling up for a, for a, uh, a field goal when, yeah, a field goal would be fine there, but that's not what you ideally want. You're down by 14. You might as well try to get the seven. Um, and then the play after that, Keaton Slovis gets gets a little too quick on the, on the trigger to, to run. Um, he has a shot down deep. Um, that he doesn't London. take with Drake London. I know a lot of people are critical of that. Yeah, I think he could have thrown it. Absolutely. I also I, think I th- the pocket was collapsing and he was taking off running. I, I but, get but, it. But for me, the the last thing he should have done is run there. But if you're going to run, again, if you're going to run, you should be able to immediately stand up and sp- and, s- and snap right. that ball immediately. Yes. Like, yes. They, it took them five seconds to, to just get lined up and then... Right, and then, then the they, clock's ticking, and they, they go to, to to spike it, and it's like they've never practiced the spike before. Like, I, okay, I am very sympathetic to the idea of not taking, you know, the the under center thing. We've talked about yeah. it before. I, I'm someone who doesn't care about the under center thing. If that's not your offense, that's not your offense. Whatever, do what's good for you and do what works for you. If it works, it works. If not, then figure out a better way to make it work. But I don't know how, what reason do you have to have a situation where you've like have you literally never practiced the spike? A, a, yeah, a spike. Like, shouldn't the two minute drill be part of your practice? Yeah, like, I, I don't. I, I just can't fathom it. No, that's it's... the one that makes no sense to me. And but it was, it's... and you know that that's 
that's on Graham Harrell. That's Th- on, that's a it's it's a like, it speaks to the entire dysfunction of this I, it, of this team from top to bottom. It just yeah, and it's again, it's an opportunity to get points to go into the half and feel good, and, and then they don't do it. it. Instead, so, you go into the half feeling like wow, we left points on the board, and then yes. you come out in the second half and points on the field. See, I, points you, on the field. Yeah, you get it wrong too. I got corrected yeah. on on Twitter tonight about it. I'm like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I always say points on the board. It's points on the field. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, the, the point is, Estee goes in the break, down 17-3. They come out, and here they go with a nice drive. Throws downfield uh, to, to Malcolm Epps. He catches one, makes a great catch. Love that play. Um, early on. And then they go to him again on a third and long, and he can't get it. They look like there's going to be targeting to bail SC out at the goal line. There which, wasn't. Which, personally, I I prefer players not to get ejected in that situation. Yeah. I do think he was late, and he hit the head. Like, it was helmet to helmet. So, like, to me, that should be a flag, but also that's USC getting bailed out because the play clearly didn't work. Like, right. you shouldn't have to rely on Notre Dame having that kind of play. Yeah, and SC settles for the field goal, and Parker Lewis misses it. Uh, one of a couple of big misses he had tonight, along with an extra point. If Parker uh, Lewis hits his field goals, and I'm I'm not saying that that I mean hashtag college kickers exist for a reason, sure. But also, like you need your kicker to make those kicks because yes. the game is completely different. But if you I'm miss. also going to say. You shouldn't come down to the damn field goals. You shouldn't be kicking field goals because you should be getting into the damn end zone. And how many times did he make all those kicks at the early part of the year when he was being relied on every single drive? Like, he was due to miss a couple of kicks. Like, that's just what kickers are. Like, they miss sometimes. I'm sorry, they do. And so, like, um, I mean, they were ill-timed, 100%. Yeah. But you shouldn't be... Re- like, if you have to rely on those things the, every single this, week... This team then is... Then you got problems. This team has too many offensive weapons to not be getting into the end zone with yes, the way that they move 100%. the ball. Because you see the way they move... The, they out they outgain Notre Dame in this game. You can't yeah. have that kind of stuff happen, but the, it adds up. So if it was just that USC was playing well and then it came down to the kicker missing a kick, yeah, you get on yeah. the kicker. But USC didn't play well on defense. They didn't finish on offense. They had miscues left and right across the board like they have yeah. all season. So it, it 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 still comes down to it being a, a team loss. And, and that's the frustrating thing is like, I don't think you fix things. I, I don't know how to fix this. This is part of why I'm, I feel like I'm checking out of this season because... I don't see where you fix this. We can sit here and say, play all the kids, play all the young guys, but that doesn't fix things. You're still going to have all of these growing pains and mistakes because it's still the same people governing the scheme. It's still the same coaching, all that. The thing that I would say is the, you know, play the young guys thing. You can't expect better results with that sort of thing. No. And I feel like a lot of people do. My only exception um, to that. And they now I think that realistically, yeah, you if in a perfect world, this was like a video game. Yeah, you play all the play all the get younger all guys, get, get get them all the XP and all that stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's better or not, at least you're developing guys. Um and I think that if that was like pro sports or like a video game, yes, I agree. That would be the ultimate better scenario. That's just not the way it works. It's not, and and this coaching staff does has no reason to worry about next year. Like I know that yes, you, you know, like 
they're not looking no. at these players as in they need to develop them for next year because for this coaching staff, there but is it's, no next year. But it shouldn't, it doesn't have to be about development to say play the young kids because right. I've seen the veterans, it's the warts of the veterans that I'm sick and tired of seeing all the same. That's the argument to say, give somebody else a chance who hasn't had a chance and see what they're made of when they get out on the field. Right. I think but, there's but, no, but is... I think we saw a lot of that in this game. I think we saw USC go out and give Prophet Brown some some snaps and we saw uh Shropshire and, and and a couple of those guys out like on defense i felt like they were giving guys yeah a sure. chance and again like i said i came away thinking only kaylin bullock is the guy that i like if i had to wipe the slate clean of literally everyone on the defense the only one i wouldn't throw out at this point and it's not like he's perfect but i just feel like he's the only one that i see out there actually tackling in a manner that makes me think that he has learned how to tackle is caleb bullock so, like, th- that's the, the, the thing is that I don't think there's a fix in that sense. I think the only area where you can actually say just play the young kid is is Jackson Dart. And it's not because he's a better quarterback than Keaton Slovis because he has a different skill set than Keaton Slovis because he can scramble and Keaton can't. That is literally the only you, reason you know what it is? To, to do that because maybe stylistically he makes a difference in this offense. Otherwise, I don't know. It's all a crapshoot. The season's going to go the way it's going to go. Yeah, and, and like we've said before, I do not think that you need a running quarterback to succeed in this offense. I think you need a running quarterback to succeed in this offense when you're not making the adjustments to put your quarterback in a position to succeed. Yes. Does that make sense? Which is, but, and here's <laughs> Cause my... Because, like, like, if you're going to be stubborn enough to to not try to help out your quarterback... Right, but we're in week eight. We're in week eight. So they clearly are stubborn enough to not try right. to help their quarterback yes. out. So, like, yes, USC does need an improvisational quarterback who does something different. That's... Right, yeah. That's the no, fact. I'm, I'm, I'm in it's just, it's very frustrating because it shouldn't have to be that way. Yeah. I'd also just caution people about, you know, college football in general and this idea of like the savior backup quarterback because you see teams like Oklahoma bench Spencer Radler, who I'm, I've never been really convinced by, but they bring in Caleb Will, uh, Williams as the backup and he's supposed to be the savior and suddenly all of Oklahoma's problems are solved. And yet they come out against Kansas today and look exactly as bad as they'd had before. But by the way, because I, it's a team problem. But I just want to chime in that that's also another key example of I know, uh, and I know that I need to stop making these little weird, dumb arguments um, at this point because Clay Helton's no longer here. But one of the things that people love to talk about how Clay Helton was like the only coach in America. That would still be with Keaton Slovis over Dart or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously, he didn't have that wasn't a Helton thing this year because Dart played after um, Helton was already gone. But, you know, we saw it with with Dart and and Daniels and and Fink and and all that stuff before, uh, all stemming back from uh, Darnold and Brown. And it's like, no, Lincoln Riley just had this. Thing with Spencer Radler and, and Caleb Williams, like every coach has a situation where you have a uh, a quarterback that you're you're committed to, and at some point you got to decide when to pull the trigger. And sometimes it's going to end up being too late, and sometimes it's not. But literally every coach has has dealt with those things before. It's not solely a Clay Helton thing, right? Like it's not solely a USC thing. I think. What USC's problem, and that has been solely a USC thing, 
has been the lack of development from quarterbacks from year to year. Um, and how you, like I said, you go back and you watch 2019 Keen Slovis at Notre Dame and you're like, God damn, this quarterback, he was a three star. Like how good is he going to be in two years in year three of this offense? And then you fast forward it to now and you're like, well, he looks like he's like progressed a little bit and the offense definitely doesn't look better. And like, this can't be, you, you, are you sure that these videos are lined up because they look like they should be inverted, right? Like yeah. it looks like his his freshman year tape should be his junior year tape. This his is junior also year tape should be his freshman. This, year tape. this is also the stuff that people say about Lincoln Riley and Spencer Radler, and Lincoln Riley is considered one of the better head coaches in in the country. Right. So, like yeah. again, these things are not unique. Um, I think part of the problem is you just get very sucked into your own team, so you don't realize that literally everyone else in the country is complaining about the same. Yeah, problems. Dave, Dave, look at David Shaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's still, it's just, it's just, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating to watch USC not, it's not that USC plays bad football, which they do their share of that, to be sure. It's that this USC team lacks a certain amount of fight that I have come to recognize from USC teams, even the bad ones. And here's yeah, where I mean, even the bad ones, right? Here's like, where the Shalicia is going to come in. Oh dear. Here's where it's going to come in. I have often said that I do not think that Clay Helton was the person to take USC to the top of the mountaintop. But I also think that Clay Helton clearly was a good enough head coach to make USC not completely fall off a cliff every single year. And the one time that they did fall off a cliff in 2008 in 2018, they generally lost games still close. They weren't getting blown out. They weren't getting They were spanked. all games late in the fourth quarter. They were all games all late in the those. fourth quarter. They didn't look pretty, but they were they were in them. And this is where I think I point out, and I'm not saying that Clay Hilton should still be USC's coach because I have said for several years now that he shouldn't have been. But this is, this what we are seeing right now is what USC looks like without Clay Hilton. Okay. No, I have so okay, like hold on. I just like to say that clearly follow up here. Clearly something about Clay Hilton, man management and all that kind of stuff, he was good at something. Okay. This well, is my this is my caution about about what expectations about new hires, different hires, all that kind of stuff. I have said from the beginning, it can be worse than Clay Hilton. That's what people didn't want to acknowledge, that it could get worse yes. than Clay Hilton. This is what worse than Clay Helton looks like. Okay. I am not going to do the thing where I'm like, okay, Alicia, you're saying, yay, he kept it close against a bad Cal team. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm going to say is, or uh, genuinely I'm asking this. This, you know, we had seen SC, especially last year, when they'd get punched in the mouth, they would miraculously come back from the dead in the fourth quarter and people hated it. Right. Like remember that UCLA game that was wild and insane. And like people were mad at that game. Cause even though SC won on the last play of the game, people were mad because how dare this team win on the last play instead of the, you know, early in the first quarter, apparently. Um, but you remember like 
the the team pulled games out of their ass, and people were were frustrated, rightfully so, that it always had had to turn to that, right? So now this this team gets in situations that are surely worse than the than they were in last year, but not too dissimilar. This, like this this game tonight was like very similar to games from last year, except if it was last year's team, they would have pulled this one out. This year's team did not, right? So USC not responding and SC falling down 20 plus points to now their fourth opponent in the last, you know, X amount of games. Is this a sign of being without Clay Helton? Or is this a sign of this is what it's like having an interim head coach, have not having a head coach your season. And like the administration is, uh, the, the no, that's what athletic it, department has basically told the team that the season's over because they fired the head coach midseason. All this stuff, like, isn't this doesn't this have more to do with? Yeah, like the season has got canned. No, like, I like think I think more we, so than you're without Clay Helton. Like, no, you're without yeah, a season, head coach. The season in 2015 was canned, and the season in 2013 was canned. What I'm saying is, yes, this is what life with an interim coach looks like. USC didn't get to experience that the last two times they had an interim head coach because they had the ultimate man motivator in Ed Orgeron. And they had a guy that guys played, wanted to run through a brick wall for in Clay Hilton. And this is what life is like when you don't have somebody. And Dante Williams is an incredible recruiter, but he's proving that this is over his head as far as, as, as head coaching the ability to to keep a team together and to to sort out those those clock issues or sort out whatever it is. Yeah, I don't I think know. I don't know that that's. I, I'm not trying like I'm not trying to be like to to get I into can't the specifics. Blame Dante Williams for no, this. no, no. I'm not. I, I'm not blaming Dante Williams. I'm just saying like this is what happens when you don't have somebody right. no, who no, is I, a, I an Ed Orgeron or a Clay Hilton in in that in that sense. So like give him his due. Again, I'm not well, saying I'm Ed Orgeron is the patron saint of interim head coach. Yes. I mean, he's literally an interim coach right now. But again, they did lose though. They yeah. did lose today. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, either either way, I just think that it's it's very frustrating to see a USC team not feel competitive in a way that I don't feel that USC has has felt uncompetitive uh, in the past, and I think that's what I what is causing me to shut down so thoroughly mm-hmm. on this season is like next week USC plays Arizona. An Arizona team that has not had a win yet, but I mean, I'm not saying that Jed Fish is going to succeed in Arizona, but every time I watch Arizona play, there's that little spark of these guys kind of buy into their coach, and I could see them giving USC a game now. Do they? Do they vaguely? No. This is all. Take this all with a with a massive grain of salt. Um, but is there a little bit of like? 2014 slash 15 ish Colorado. Yeah. With Arizona. And, and that you're Where like. They're bad, but like they, they kind of have something. They're bad, but they're, you're like, they kind of make you earn it. Like, yeah, they're going to make you earn it. And th- th- that's exactly the way to frame Arizona. And, you know, people were talking a, a couple weeks ago about, well, is USC going to be bowl eligible? I was like, yeah, I think they will. They're, they're just, there's too much talent on this team to, to not be. But, USC came out of a bye week and and didn't look like they'd fixed a single thing. Right. And now I'm looking at it going like, I can't even guarantee that USC will beat Arizona. 
Well, okay, so I, I, next I don't... week, is that, that going to be the... Uh, the SC has had a problem with these streaks. Yeah. They, they, you know, Stanford had never beaten Clay Helton at the Coliseum. They beat him. Yeah, Oregon Utah, Utah had never won at the Coliseum. They did. Oregon State had not won at the Coliseum since 1960. They did. Arizona has not beaten anyone with the pulse in years. Yeah, it was like a 16-game losing streak for Arizona. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm if SC has a pulse. Well, but I'm genuinely worried about USC now because I don't see fight a USC team with this talent. And, but you and- see, here's and then it goes back to if you only watch games where SC, like I'm genuinely, I'm I'm genu- like I want this mental experiment. I want someone to show SC film to somebody and show only USC's offensive possessions outside of the red zone. And that's the only thing that you see. And then like, and watch the entire season outside the red zone. That's the only thing you see. And then tell me, okay, now how many wins does this team have? What's their record? How? What's their average score? What's yeah, the, like, how like many you, points you per game? Score bug off the screen. The whole thing. Yeah, you, I'm very curious what people would think, because like you know, I, I'm not going to say that SC looks. SC doesn't look the offense does, like from an eye test perspective doesn't look infallible. The offense the, is very the, stop the, start, but yeah, when they're stop, they they move. Yeah, but they don't look infallible between the twenties. It still looks difficult. I feel like every time I looked up today, but they but you, they produce. Every, they, they move yard, uh, Every time I looked yards. up today, USC was at the fifteen. Yeah. Every they, time they I looked up, the they were moving the ball. Yeah. So and Notre Dame was too. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely, and and this could have been a shootout. And again, we've been saying for years, just give us Big 12 bad and we'd be a yeah. lot happier. Yeah, but USC doesn't give us Big 12 bad. They give us bad offense the, and bad defense. That's so. the thing that I think is the most frustrating part of all this. SC went USC out, could give up 30 points a game SC and I would not care out, if they were scoring they 35. They got an air raid offensive coordinator and they didn't even become Big 12 bad. Like, at least if you were Big 12 bad, like, it would just, it would be something. I'm just, that's all I've been saying. That's all I'm saying. I I, I don't want to be like harsher on the offense than I am the defense, but I I would not give a crap if USC gave up 35 points a game if the offense scored 35 more often than not. And they don't do that. So I I just. Alas, last (sighs) thing to mention here before we wrap up. Can, can, can I undercut you just for one second here? Yeah. Can we mention the Dante Williams quote that's sure. an, an all-timer? Yeah. You're on Twitter and I'm not, yeah. Have you seen this yet then? No. Okay, after the game, Dante Williams said he doesn't feel like USC lost that game. They just ran out of time. Is he talking the first half or the second? <laughs> it's just one of those quotes where you're like, bruh. What are you, no? Oh, stop okay, it. so no. I I like our our, our buddy Kenny from uh, Traveler Hits Thursdays. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Traveler Hits Thursdays. Said uh, I also don't feel like I'm not a millionaire. I just ran out of money. <laughs> like yeah, that's I okay. <laughs> I don't feel like I didn't I, have enough I'm, money to pay rent. I'm, I just didn't I'm have all, any I'm money. I'm always sympathetic <laughs> to the to the quote to that quote in general. I think in I, if I told you that like uh, my philosophy philosophy what philosophical 
look at sports where I've always said, like, isn't it a little arbitrary the way that we just say that a football Put game a is 60 minutes mm-hmm. and an NBA game is 48 minutes mm-hmm. and this game is this minute? And, like, it just seems arbitrary. Like, why is it this team... We have decided they have surely won because they were ahead after this amount of time versus that amount of time. Because uh, just like, why do we have the lines of bounds where they are? Well, because sure, those sure. are the rules of the game. No, no I, so I get that. But within the parameters of the right, game, right. you have to be the one that's yeah. ahead at that so, particular no, time right. stamp. But like, so like a shootout, I'm absolutely sympathetic to like, a, you know, a the last team, the, the last team with the ball wins. Yes. Yeah. Or like a basketball game in which every team is making buckets going back and forth, back and forth. Well, someone was just bound to have the ball last. And it just seems like cruel and unfair that it wasn't you if it wasn't you. Yeah. So I'm sympathetic to that idea. But you scored 16 points. Yeah. You don't get to make that argument. No. Not, not after this game. No. Just, I just, yeah. Just... My point, again, is that it wasn't just because this is now a Clay Hilton apologist podcast. It's like, it's not just Clay Hilton who says the cringiest bullshit after games. Like, Well, I mean, like I, I've always said, that you you don't mind cringy bullshit if you like... The person. If, if you like yeah. the person or, or the team is winning. If you don't like the person or the team is not winning, then you don't like the stuff. That's usually how it works. But um, anyways, um, we got to talk F1. F1 is here. They're in America. It doesn't work for me, though, because the whole reason I can watch F1 is because it comes on before I have to start work. And that is not the case it is, uh, for Sunday's race in Austin. It's it's so funny to me because I listen to all these British podcasts and they're always like, how do we get the Americans into Formula One? Well, we know that they watch Netflix and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But then... You know, the the race is this week, and I feel like almost everyone that I know is like, well, actually, yeah, it's at a normal time. It's at noon Pacific, but I can't even watch this week because I've got life going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole. I only watched Formula One because it's on in my off hours. Yeah. The, the whole appeal of, of uh, Premier League Soccer and Formula One in a weird, weird way is that it's on before anything else is happening in my life. So, like, if Premier League games were on in prime time, it would be a hell of a lot harder to watch them because I work during... I work weekends. I work on Sundays. Every Sunday, I work 1 to 9. So, like, if it's on from 1 to 9, I'm screwed because I'm working. So the appeal of morning Sunday sort of sporting events is that it's the morning on Sunday, so I'm not working. Or it's the morning on Saturday, so I'm not working. Like, the fact that this is on at noon is a big bummer for me. See, I just... Like I start work at 1. Quali was at 2 p.m. Yeah, and so, I was working. So you know what I did? You slept in until 2. I slept in until one thirty. Yeah. So I'm like, if I sleep in until, like, super late, like until one thirty in the afternoon, you know, then, like, that'll basically be as if it's a morning thing, so... Yeah, except with a full night's sleep. Yeah, because yeah. I went to bed at like four last night. Yeah, yeah, you do that. Cool. Well, that'll wrap up this thing. Uh, I'm excited for I, turn I one. Think, I think we're turning the corner, so hopefully we'll be able to pot this way. I feel... We just made it through 48 minutes. I mean, you guys, maybe if you have good ears, could, could notice that we've taken like, you know, like nine... Several coughing breaks. Nine coughing 
breaks yeah. so I could cough my lung up. Yeah. And you could cough. Yeah. But um, my throat's feeling a little, a little dry. But we we've made it this far. But I will say, I my boss messaged me on Friday and was like, "Good to see you on. Like, I hope you're feeling better." And I was like, I had a moment of like sitting back and thinking, like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I do feel like I feel significantly better." I had I'd got a month where I'd forgotten what it felt like to feel semi-human and not completely, just totally out of it. Uh, and, and like, that's good. And I'm not even like 100% because I'm still dealing with the stupid allergy cough that's just annoying as all hell. But at least it's just annoying and not like debilitating. And then there's me where I am Mr. Um, post-viral, uh, no, well, yeah, (laughs) cough, cough. yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about like, I am perpetually someone who has imposter syndrome. Yeah. Constantly worried what other people think. Uh-huh. Uh, super thin skin, you know, big mm-hmm. time for sure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but like, I feel so bad that like, you know, last year, we, I feel like we dropped the ball with the pod because we got sick. And then here we go this year. Doing oh my gosh, thing. you like, have it, no idea. It, it's a sucky feeling. It's, speaking of like, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, I it's a, a, like, it's a form. People think that we're hypochondriac yeah, or that we're lazy, It's a we form. Suck. It's like, a form of damn, of damn imposter syndrome or whatever. But like, on Sunday, I was. You think we're lying? I on Sun last Sunday, I, it was the worst day I have ever felt in my life in terms of being ill. Like Sunday was the worst day. I I, I was completely just knocked on my butt like I had been hit by a truck. It was just like bad. And I messaged my boss, and I was like, I swear to God, like I cannot catch a break. I've caught this stomach thing that my family has been passing around, and. I'm having to off to take another sick day. And like, I'm sitting there just thinking to myself, like my boss thinks I'm making this shit up because I have now had to take three Sunday, Mondays combos in a row off because of being sick. And like, he thinks I'm just like partying too hard or something like that on Saturday. And like, hung over every Sunday or something like that. And it's like, I swear to God, no, I am. I like, I'm you not know how lame we make. Are. We are so lame. Like, that's the sad thing is that like, like I'm the last person who would do that. The thing that wears me out on Saturday is a full day of college football. Like, but you, you know me, like I agonize about taking sick days. I agonize about taking vacation. Yeah. So like I'm going through this sick patch and then like my family wants to, or- to arrange this like vacation thing. And I'm like, I, I, I'm going to have to put in for like a vacation day after I've just had a month where I've like used up all of my sick days. And like, I, I just, I, and like, you're like, you have, vac- you are owed vacation days. Take your damn vacation days. And it's like, I just feel like my skin just like curls up at the idea of like, but what if my boss thinks I'm like, I'm like letting the team down or something like that. Like that's, it's that's a big funny problem. When, when our bosses listen to this. Yeah. When our bosses listen to this and go like, yeah, you guys are letting the team down. What the hell? You're letting the podcast no, listeners down. Not, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Anywho. we're letting you guys down and we feel bad. Seriously, I, I feel bad about it. I, yeah. I'm, we got messages about like there's no over under this week. And I was like, I, yeah, I, I, we I, didn't, I, get, I we didn't do a no name preview. I'm sorry. I, 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 we're terrible people. Just I know, And we will do, we are going to do that big coach, yes, coaching extravaganza. I don't know when. <sighs> I mean, uh, so, at so, this point, I don't care about. Okay. about Hypothetically, I just want to throw this out here. Throw this idea out there. Okay. 
we are a team. We we are obviously credentialed covering USC football. I'll be there next week when SC plays Arizona at the Coliseum. Uh, health permitting. Dot dot dot. Uh, no, but the we are covering this team. At the same time, we get so many tweets and emails and all that stuff about how I just can't even bother to watch games anymore and all this stuff. And, you know, I think that one of the interesting discussion points about this team going forward is talking about the team going forward versus the little in-season things that you have to cover. And I think it's very frustrating, especially since we just had the opportunity to talk about big picture stuff in the bye week and we weren't able to do it. But, like, I almost wonder, what if we turn this podcast for the rest of the season into just talking big picture stuff? What What if we stopped talking about USC games and talked more about, like, Cincinnati games or Penn State games? No, or, like, because no, like, then we're just takes, talking about James Franklin and, and Luke Fickle and all that kind of stuff. Mm. More so. I'm saying, like, what if we just went into talking about big picture stuff? And then part of me is like, so you want to embrace the off season already like the off season yeah, is already too long like well i'm gonna put it out there i don't know that we need i don't know that we should spend very much time previewing the arizona game i think we should just lay our cards on the table well, and do our co- like, do like, our head coaching extravaganza do we do we instead come up with of the a preview different episode. style of preview episodes for the the last five games here where they're not as in detailed as the detailed as they've been because usually you should see the amount of research that, yeah, that we our, usually end our, up doing for preview Our rundowns episodes. for preview episodes are multiple pages like long. But notoriously like seven to ten pages of notes and stuff like that that we put together. I don't know that people care enough to hear us talk about. I sure don't care enough about seven Arizona. To 10 pages worth not of not notes. Arizona specifically. I don't care enough about the Arizona game because if USC loses that game, well then, duh, right. USC's been but embarrassing. USC wins that game; it literally does not it. matter. We still have to cover it. So, yeah. like, I don't. Know. We're talking way too much. Way too much yeah. inside baseball. Being way too honest on this podcast. <sighs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. People like inside baseball. No, is people even still listening? Somebody might. There are some degenerate fans out there, and I say that with all the love in my heart because I, too, am a degenerate. I watched that whole damn football game tonight. Just like, you know, we're, we're all sick. We're all sick in the head. And uh, and let's all embrace that idea. And, and so there must be people who are... Well, good news. Hold on. I'm just pulling it up. Uh, the Dodgers are down to their last strike, it looked like. Oh, good. Thank God. No offense to Dodger fans. I love you all. I, I feel for you. But also, as an Angels fan, I, I can't live in a world where the Dodgers get to another World Series. It just, it, it's just not fun for me. Um, the Braves are my last hope to get the... Like, I, I'm full bore rooting against the Astros at this point. So... If the Dodgers got to the World Series, I'd have to root for them against the Astros. I just I can't live. Wait, sorry, just two two outs, two outs. Okay, can't live that way. Full speed ahead with the Braves. Sorry, Dodgers fans, but like this is the thing that's going to save my night if this uh follows through. Yeah, you love to see it. Yeah, you, you love to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael wearing Poverty his fan. Cubs, his Poverty Cubs franchise shirt. like the Dodgers. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, uh, thanks for listening as always. Uh, we love you guys. And uh, here, if you're still listening, send us your thoughts. What what do you th- what do you want the podcast to be for the last five games of the year? What do you want to hear from us? Until then, 
Uh, email address for Amtrak Fansite.com. Phone number 213-373-1872. Alicia, final word? The final word is... Um, hmm. Hmm. Can that be the oh, final word? Oh, it out. It's over. The Braves won the pennant. The final word Woo! is... Go Braves. Go Braves. Yes. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.